Hey there, you're listening to Don't Be an Asshole, a spiritual guide. It's a podcast where we talk about life, music, and spirituality. As we get into this, I just want you to know that it's not about getting you to believe what I believe. It's about asking you to ask yourself why you believe what you believe. Well, hey there, everybody. It's time for um, part two of my conversation with Eric Radomsky, the SOP, son of a pastor. Uh, that's Eric's podcast. SOP, Son of a Pastor podcast. Uh, check it out if you haven't listened to it yet. Um, in this discussion, we dive a little bit deeper about the things that we are struggling with, our faith, what it means to believe in God. We start talking about, I don't know if it's in part two or part three, why um, stuff like sex and masturbation was such a shameful thing to young men who grew up in the church. And Really, what is that even all about? Um, but what I want you to really get is that this is a safe space to talk about unbelief, to talk about struggle with faith. I grew up believing in God and not questioning it, but I think that you have to question your faith in order to strengthen your faith. So that's what we're doing here. We are giving uh, a spot to which we can suspend disbelief in belief for just a moment in order to hopefully strengthen our faith. Sometimes we're asked to just suspend disbelief. Uh, and we do that when we watch a sci-fi movie. Um, there are some things <laughs> I'm thinking about the last Jedi and how so many people dislike certain things of that movie and I liked it just fine. I, I like Star Wars. I'm a Star Wars fan, but I'm not someone who knows the backstory of every minor character. I'm, I'm not that guy. But in this movie, there's like one thing that even I had difficulty suspending disbelief about. I mean, because you're already asked to believe that, you know, people can travel in spaceships and go the speed of light or faster without, you know, breaking apart and all of these things. And, but where I had a hard time, where I had a hard time suspending my own disbelief was when, um, a couple of them left the ship to go to that other planet to find the, the thief and bring him back and do all that stuff. And the most disbelieving thing for me was when Poe was like, where are they? Why aren't they back yet? Within like a few hours when I'm like, doesn't it take uh, days, even at the speed of light to go to a completely different star system? That That's kind of what I'm thinking. I have no idea how far it was, but I would think that going to another planet and finding somebody and bringing them back would take more than a couple of hours. Anyway, I don't really remember why I started talking about that at this point in place. These parts of the podcast are unplanned. I'm just sitting here introducing <laughs> the podcast. But it, it was about suspending disbelief. And when you believe in God, you are basically telling yourself this is something that's in, unbelievable out there. And so some of the other things that I might struggle with go in hand in hand with that already suspended disbelief. I've taken the step of faith to say, I believe that there's something out there that is gigantic and huge and big, but all the other aspects are hard, not impossible, but difficult for my mind to grasp. And 
sometimes I'm satisfied with God is bigger than me and not worry about it. But there are some times when I feel like it really does deserve the time and energy that it takes for me to explore that. Anyway, you can support this podcast by going to patron.podbean.com forward slash Eric Tom I hear my kids screaming in the background. Maybe you hear that too. Support this podcast and I can afford a babysitter. Just kidding. <laughs> but seriously. All right, let's get into this thing. All right. I still believe that there's a God, that he's out there. Is he the God that I grew up believing in? I don't know. Same here. Yeah, I, I don't know. Because the first thread I pulled away at was, now I'm just unpacking a, my journal entry from yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> the, and a long time ago, I decided that there's no way there was a seven-day creation. This is no way that that was, I mean, the sun and the moon and the stars weren't invented until day four. That's how you, that's how you do days. <laughs> you <know>? so, <laughs> so to me, it's like, okay, this was their best way of describing how God entered into this particular timeline. Because my my theology about God is that he's got a 360-degree view of time and space, that he's like a seventh dimension. Yeah. Um, so we've got all these dimensions happening simultaneously, but God is outside all of it and can see it all. Basically, every universe is a different snow globe that he has on his shelf that he can just look at and yeah. interact with and touch. And, and so that's kind of the way I thought about things. But then I thought, okay, if, there's no, if that's not real... You know, and so I believed that, you know, since there are dinosaur bones and dinosaur bones weren't even discovered until like the 1800s. So George Washington went his whole life never knowing there was a dinosaur that existed. That's true. It's crazy. You know, Thomas Jefferson, Ben Franklin, some of the most brilliant men in history didn't know know (laughs) that there was something called a Tyrannosaurus Rex (laughs) that is the most dangerously awesome thing that ever existed, you know, except maybe the Meg shark or whatever, you know, uh, who knows? And they think they might've found one in the Mariana trench or something. I don't, I don't know. That's, that's insane. Uh, it could just be a great white that just got bigger and bigger yeah. and bigger. I don't know. Yeah, I, all of these little asides I get from my 12 year old, he brings them home from somewhere. I was <laughs> like, that thing hurt him. So that led me to believe that God used evolution as a way to bring everything to existence. So in my mind, God said, let there be light because light was the first thing and that the universe is still expanding in every direction at the speed of light. So that's an amazing thought that that's how powerful the spoken word of God is. But I'm like, okay, but if evolution is how things is, how God, because I still like, I'm still holding on to that. There's a God, Yeah, you know, I'm still hanging on to that. If evolution is how God created the the universe and the world, where does Adam fit into that? Hmm. Did did God somehow uh, on on an aside while uh, Neanderthals, cavemen, and other you know human evolution was happening? Did he aside take aside and put someplace 
Adam and Eve. And they were perfect. And then they sinned. And sin entered the human race. Or was Adam just the first person whose brain evolved to an awareness of God? If that's that, interesting. If that's the case, was he perfect and without sin until he sinned? So th- to me, that starts destroying the original sin doctrine. Yeah. <laughs> which then once you pull that thread away, that there was no first perfect Adam, what is Christ the second Adam if there was no first Adam? And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, where do I stop pulling? <laughs> and so that's kind of where I'm at right now. <laughs> it's crazy because again, even I say a lot in my podcast is I have more questions right now than answers. Yeah, definitely. And it's like, it's crazy because, but it's good mm-hmm. because now at least I'm searching for truth instead of being in this, putting God into a box that I grew up in Yeah, and having God in that little box. And it's comfortable being there. Oh man. I used to say that, um, see Aristotle or actually Plato said that the unexamined life is not worth yeah, living. Yeah. And I would tell people that an unexamined faith is not worth the paper your Bible is printed on. But I never really examined it too close, apparently, because now I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> exactly. We just we just used to read it, and it was taught to us a certain yeah. way, and that was it. Yeah. And we passed it on. Yeah. I, I mean, the Assemblies of God, the where I used to hold my credentialing papers, has 16 fundamental truths. It's like, I... I, I I still, I'm still desperately hanging on to about 13 of those, <laughs> um, maybe, maybe nine. Holding on. Know. Yeah. And, and I mean, you got different, and then you start pulling threads and it's like, what is analogies? What is allegory? And what is a miraculous truth? Yep. The thing is, once you believe that there's a God, once you believe that there's a, a big supernatural, exi- it's easy to believe in miracles. Yeah. That's super easy. It's it's easy to believe that in healing. It's even easy to be, it's easy to believe in a in a healed cavity as it is to believe in a resurrection. Yeah. Once you believe that a god exists, you know, to to me, it's it, that's super easy. But what doesn't get easy is looking at evidence on what who gets to decide what stories in scripture are allegory and what are historical truths. That's crazy. Most Christians don't even know that the Bible has different genres. Yeah. It's like, oh no, it's all literal. No, it's not. Like, like it's, but not. it's not. It's not clear on which ones are. Exactly. Like, I think Adam and Eve could be Moses' way of trying to describe how things started. Because, you know, other cultures have similar stories. Yeah. So it wasn't just... This is a unique story about creation. No. Yeah. Other cultures have similar stories. I think Job was an allegory for uh, isn't evil. It, isn't that book is like a book of poetry? Yeah. And it's just, and it's the oldest story. Yeah. And so I, I think it, it could just be, and you know, I mean, so Satan was like, hey, God, is it okay if I go mess around with this dude? <laughs> which the theology on that is that God is in control of good and evil, which messes with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. is God... Because people are like, oh, God's all love. He's all good. He's all kind. He's all powerful. I'm like, but little kids still get raped. (laughs) So that kind of starts pulling at that thread. But according to Job, God's in charge of everything that's good and everything that's evil. And that kind of messes with some people's theology. That's a crazy story, too. (laughs) Yeah. Noah and the flood. I'm like, I don't think the whole world got flooded. And same here. 
I think that's an allegory that there was an that there was evil and there was a, a righteous man, and that you can be a righteous man and rebuild your life um, when everything is destroyed. I I went my whole life believing, uh, you know, my, probably the first thirty years of my life believing that there was a flood. Yeah, same here. And at some point, I'm like, well, there's probably a regional flood. And now I'm like, I think it's an allegory. I do, because I believe in miracles, I think Jonah probably could have happened just the way it was written. Still, that's too crazy for and me. It's, well, the thing is, I mean, I believe in a resurrected Christ. <laughs> it's true. I, I believe that uh, he raised Lazarus from the dead. But couldn't that also be a story, though? That could Those be. are good story lessons, if you those think are, about it. Those are great lessons. Those are great I mean, and the thing is, we we look at the parables of Christ. Now, some people are so wrapped up in the the inerrancy and literacy of the Bible that they think there was a prodigal son, that they think that there was, um, what's another one of his, oh, a oh, good Samaritan. Not even that. What about the one with um, Lazarus and the rich man? Yeah. I mean, some people argue that because now there's a name used, so it's not a parable. Yeah. But the whole that whole parable is interesting to me. Yeah, Jesus. and it's a parable. Jesus on the spot was making up a story. And so who's to say that other biblical writers... Did not do the same. Did, the, did not do the same with Jonah. Now, Jonah was a real prophet. You know, there's historical references yeah. outside of, of the fish story. M- maybe he was like, look, I fell in the ocean... And, uh, you know, I, you know, I, I don't know. No, same here. Just, I don't know how I got here. <laughs> but again, there's a lesson yeah. at the story. And then yeah. that, that's the whole point is either you, you want to believe it happened or didn't happen. Yeah. Learn the lesson. Yeah. Who's to say that Noah and Job weren't an author's parable? Yeah. Adam and Eve. And it's what uh, Michael Gunger was talking about, how he believed everything in the Bible. And then he started thinking about evolution. And then he tried to embrace atheism because he's like, well, I mean, this none of this can be true. But he's like, okay, Genesis 1 through 5 is an allegory, but once you get there, it's all literal again. You know, yeah. Genesis 6 is when it kicks back into literal. And then he's like, but does it? And so he had this whole crisis of faith. He's like, but he so desperately wanted to believe in God that he he even uh, got down on his knees towards the east and and tried, it's like, okay, maybe, maybe Muslims have something, you know, <laughs> And he's like, maybe this is true. And, you know, it was like two minutes he was like in that spot. Uh, but he's gone to Hawaii and hung out with Ram Dass, this uh, meditation person. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, trying because he just like me, I grew up with spirituality. I But, you know, we were like, you know, Christianity is the real thing. You know, everyone everything else, is else wrong, everyone else right. is wrong and we're right. Especially our denomination, too. Yeah. And I'm like. <laughs> And, you know, tongues is the initial physical evidence of being filled Don't with the start. Holy Spirit. <laughs> Don't start. And, and I, I used to not only believe that. Then I started going like, well, it's the initial physical evidence, but not the only one. And then I started thinking, there, because one person one time told me, imagine how much Billy Graham could have done if he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, my goodness. Seriously. And I'm like, um, I think he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. I'm like, well, he did more than your entire denomination put together. <laughs> so imagine what you could do if you were filled with the Holy Spirit. Or if we if we didn't try to put God or the Holy Spirit uh, or Jesus in a box. And then what about all the people 
who existed outside of the ability to hear about Christ. Now, people, they, they want to say everyone before Christ is judged by their yeah, being good. Mm-hmm. But what about people in in the first and second and third and fifth and ninth centuries that were nowhere near the Middle East and, and Europe? I'll, I'll, you know? I'll give you an example. What about the centurion that Jesus healed his servant? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what happened with him? Yeah. <laughs> he didn't repent. He didn't follow Christ. Yeah. What happened with that guy? Jesus was there. The Son of God was there. God was there literally. Is he saved? What happens to him? Right. And <laughs> it's like So I I'm I'm just flabbergasted sometimes that we have it locked in that someone has to pray a certain prayer to go to heaven. Like, what is heaven? You know, what is hell? Oh my goodness! Don't that, no, I, I didn't listen <laughs> to your podcast on hell. I don't think I don't. I didn't get to that one yet. I haven't. I've talked about it a few times now with my brother. I had a discussion with it too. Is just hell. I, I believe it's just a scare tactic. I believe at this point. where where I landed on my theology about hell is that there's eternity that exists, that we're eternal beings, and that you either get to spend eternity with God or you find out that you were wrong your entire life. And now you spend eternity apart from God and that's hell. So I want to push back there because here's, here's my, when I'm reading all that and a lot of it for me, it comes from the Greek mythology and other religions that believe in the afterlife. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you believe the Adam story, God created a perfect human being to live forever, Mm -hmm. live being um, immortal. Mm -hmm. Now when sin Sin came, he died, and we die, we, everybody dies, we become mortal. Where is, I can't find anything in the Bible that's really concrete to state that when we die, we go somewhere. Because right. we get to be immortal. And John, For me, John 3.16 is such a big revelation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that if you believe in him, you will have eternity, you will have immortality. Right. But if you don't, you will perish. That your so th- soul... It is not it's not an eternal perishment. It's just that you cease to exist. Yeah, yeah, see, that, that, that kind of perish. done. Yeah, that there, you don't get the gift of immortality because if you believe Adam again, his literal yeah. being, his creation was to live on forever mm-hmm. to have that immortality. Now, I, I feel like other every other religion, especially the Greek Greek mythology, is there's always an afterlife. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets to live on, and Christianity, I think, at some point inherited that. Yeah. And there, there's that Lazarus story of being in that purgatory. In, in, uh... So I'm going to ask you about that one. So yeah. let's, this is my question. And I, I, I went to my small group with it. I talked about it on the podcast. So if that story is literal, yeah. if it's a literal story and it's, it's happening no matter at Jesus' time, it happened before or after. Mm. Okay. Two questions. Did it happen before this, the, Jesus came back or it happened Prior or happened after the judgment? Right. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, I don't like, I think it's an allegory, obviously, but does, is the allegory based in some sort of truth that there is placement, that there is an eternal placement for believers or righteous people, not necessarily believers, but righteous people? Because, you know, Jesus, I mean, these people weren't believers in Jesus. They were righteous and they were unrighteous. Well, and the, so what are, w- was there, I, you know, I, 
I had a job interview once um, after I was done with Chi Alpha. I was like, okay, I'm going to pastor a church probably. That's what I thought I was going to do. You told me about it. I remember. Yeah. And so I had this job interview where they're like, we just want to make sure there's no heresy being preached from the pulpit. And I'm like, well, what do you, what do you think heresy is? <laughs> I, I asked them and uh, they stopped for a second and the guy goes like, Rob Bale. And I, inst- instead of like a heresy, they just, yeah. you know, throw out Rob Bell. And so I knew exactly what they were talking about. They were talking about his book, Love Wins, yeah. uh, in which uh, he postulates that there isn't a hell. Universalism. I haven't read the book yet. I still haven't read the book. I'm getting to the point now where I think I need to. <laughs> um, but in I'm like, look, first of all, I want to put your mind at rest that I do believe in eternity. I believe that. Uh, and I, I gave him cause I was still, I hadn't started questioning this part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm like, have you read the book love wins? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, I haven't read it either. And I would hate to sit here and disparage a man's character based on a book that neither one of us have read. <laughs> exactly. And at that point I knew I wasn't going to pastor their church, Yeah. but I still haven't read the book. And now I'm like, Okay, here's a guy who's been thinking about this same question for years now, who pastored a large church. Yes, he did, yeah. And basically lost all of everything because he questioned. And here's here's my here's my big revolution revelation. We get all of our theology based on people who we deem to be smarter than us, who were closer to the word. They had these councils. They got together around 300 AD, good around 600 AD. And then, you know, we have like a brilliant man every, you know, 75, every 200 years, we have a CS Lewis come along. We have an NT Wright come along and we have these people who tell us what our theology is. And we're like, yep, that's what our theology is. The council of Nicaea said, this is what the Bible says. And this, these 27 books, you know, and those are not, these are, these are inspired by God. Those are not inspired by God. And so we believe that and we're like really hanging on to that. And what if somebody missed it? What if someone in their fallibility misinterpreted an infallible God? Yeah, exactly. And that's why I'm like, I, I don't know if homosexuality is a sin because what if somebody, what, what, what if somebody misinterpreted the Greek word into a word that meant something, you know, 400 years ago that doesn't Different. mean the same thing exactly. now. Exactly. That's big. Yeah, that's a big big thing. And what if somebody misinterpreted the deity of Christ? What if some I mean that's a big one. I still believe in that Jesus yes, is God. No. <laughs> you know. And I I don't want people to misunderstand me out there in the podcast world that I I don't want people to think that I've gone to to non-belief or I had one guy said, I'm an unbeliever now because what Jesus, Jesus was unbelievable. Well, people have told me that I'm on, I'm on, on my way to atheism. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, the thing is people treat atheism like everyone who's an atheist is a huge dick, you know, just because they, here, here's, here's my thing on faith. Nobody can believe what you believe until they've experienced what, what you've experienced. experienced. Yep. That's why Thomas is unfairly labeled <laughs> doubting Thomas because everybody else in the room got to see Jesus face to face and he was out getting yeah. groceries. Yeah, he wasn't there. He came back and they're like, we saw Jesus. And no, you didn't. <laughs> yeah, we did. And then when he saw Jesus, 
he believed. And then Jesus is like, blessed are those who... He wasn't slamming Thomas. Thomas. He was just saying, there's going to be millions of people in the future who don't get a chance exactly. to see me. They're going to have to take your word for it. And they're going to believe based on what you've seen. And which is one of the reasons I do believe in Jesus, because these 12 guys and then these 120 people, they didn't crack under, under beheadment. They didn't crack under being, they didn't crack. They didn't change their story. I, I would deny you and my kids and my <laughs> wife and Jesus, probably if someone started like trying to like tighten a noose around my neck, you know, I'm like, no, Eric Radomski doesn't even exist. I don't think I've ever seen him before. Yeah. <laughs> it is what the time period they were living in. I mean, it was crazy. People were literally dying, being stoned. Mm -hmm. Man, this was a crazy time period. And to think that their faith was so strong mm -hmm. to, to move and, and move with love and love yeah. others and just, it was crazy. It just. So we have to look through a filter of 1800 years of corrupt church. Um, using power and influence and fear tactics to keep people. And, you know, there, there were people who probably people, they were taking over like pagan societies, you know? And so they had to use some sort of tactic to go like, Hey, let's not, we, we got to stop, uh, stop these people from killing everybody. So, Oh, you do that. You're going to go to hell. Yeah. You know, it's really easy to do so too. Yeah. And so they used, Fear maybe for a, a good reason, but the message did get perverted by the time Constantine came around. Yeah, and there was again at that point religion, Christianity became the religion of Rome. Yeah, it's crazy. I know, <laughs> I know. And so we had Constantine, then the church split, and then you know, you got the Catholic Church, and people protested from that. And yeah, the Protestant uh, with Martin Luther, because. You know, for about seven, eight hundred years, and maybe longer, people are like, uh, by the the teeth of Saint Cuspid. You know, it's like they're like, oh, we have these holy relics, and these are blessed, and these will keep you safe. You know, the whole, all these holy wars to find a cup that Jesus might have drank out of. It's crazy people died. Yeah, <laughs> people lived their life for it exactly. too. Now, people want to make the Christians who went on these crusades out to be the evil ones. And they were, but so were the, the Muslims who were taking over, uh, who that were also exactly. killing people who were coming into Europe. And so were, I mean, it was the Christians. I mean, cause people are assholes. Yeah. I'm one of them. <laughs> yeah, we all are. And there wasn't that this was basically a, there was no right in, in, in these crusades, the people thought they were righteous. I'm, I'm watching this Netflix show called nightfall right now about uh, the Knights Templar. Uh, and it's all based in like you know, the early 1300s when they were you know going on their crusades to, to get the, the Holy grail. And everyone was just so wrapped up about this grail. Like the only Holy grail show I like is the Monty Python one. <laughs> it's a classic. The grail. <laughs> That's the only one that makes sense because I'm, I look at these things where it's like, uh, like we got St. Peter's thigh bone. That's a big deal. Like, no, it's not. Not at all. It's not at all. But to them, it was because things were so distorted through because people were trying to control people. Well, like, I'm holy because I have this and you're going to do what I say. And we're only going to teach Latin 
the first century, second century church was nothing but love. And then by the time the seventh century came along, it was nothing but fear. That's crazy. And then that's one of the things I even talk about too. It is you got this period of like 300 years of them being persecuted, but they just, again, the message was love. Mm-hmm. People looked at them and said, well, what are you guys doing? You guys loving each other? You guys are taking care of each other? This is love community. That's how it grew. And for me, it's really fascinating to sit here today and the church today is opposite. Yeah. It's like, don't do this. Don't do that. There's a list of things you can't do. Yeah. I just, uh, it, it just it's frustrating. And that, again, I always tell people it's better to question something mm-hmm. than to kind of put your foot in there and say, okay, I, I know this for, you know, because God told me or, you know, God, when I read the Bible, mm-hmm. God revealed it to me. And that's a whole other thing that I'm right now going through is this personal relationship with Jesus. That's not even in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. There's no personal little, you do it. You do have a connection with God. Yes. But it was communal. Yeah. It was all communal based. They got together. They broke bread together. They shared their lives together. They helped each other. And this is not what's going on in church today. Right. It is not. Yeah. I, I tell people, I, I, I love uh, the Eucharist, you know, a good communion. It, it helps you feel connected. But to me, a real communion is uh, having a couple of spicy chicken sandwiches and a Sprite at Chick-fil-A. And that's where it literally, <laughs> that's what I've been also a couple of months ago. I don't know what I li- who I listened to, but some pastor, some big church, he told his church, we're not going to do a communion church anymore. Go home and do communion with people around you. Bring, invite neighbors, sit down, break bread, eat together, restaurants, mm-hmm. whatever. That's communion. Jesus did that. Yeah. And we have this whole tradition of breaking a little piece of cracker and drinking a little cup of wine. I mean, that's great because, you again, that, that's good because, mm-hmm. you, again, we're remembering Jesus. I'm okay with that. Yeah. But it's more than that. Yeah. When we get together with each other, we should look for Christ in each other. Yeah. And sit down, have – and it's another thing. People are like, you know, in our denomination, not, it's grape juice. It's Welch's. Oh, my goodness. You know, they ain't going to drink wine. It's like – so, I mean, I don't want to keep opening up new cans of worms here. There's but, a lot of cans of worms. Oh, my God. We could probably talk for like ten hours. Oh, we could yeah. probably, we could probably do a podcast just you and me sitting here talking about this stuff that would last a year. Seriously. Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Uh, there's a whole lot more where that came from. I think uh, the rest of January is going to be just conversations with a son of a pastor. So uh, dig in and enjoy that. You know, a lot of deep stuff we talked about today. Feel free to email me at dbaaeric at gmail.com. DBAA stands for don't be an asshole, Eric, because I'm trying to remind myself every day, don't be an asshole, Eric, at gmail.com to unpack this. If you have any questions, any complaints, you think I'm just a total asshole or I'm just totally wrong, I'm on the wrong path, I don't mind you telling me what you think. Uh, hit me up on Instagram at don't be an asshole, a spiritual guide, all one word. Or you can follow me at Eric underscore Tom Muir or Facebook or however it is that you feel like you want to uh, antagonize me. Feel free. All right.